Welcome to the Legend of the Death Race podcast. I'm your host, Tony Matisse, and every week we share legends from past death racers on the courage, power, and wisdom it takes to conquer life's obstacles. All of us death racers aspire to inspire you to create a life past your limits. Today's legend follows the story of death racer Morgan McKay, a Spartan Ultra World Champion and winner of World's Toughest Mudder. She's also a Guinness World Record holder for running the fastest 10K while carrying 100 pounds. She's a complete badass and my racing partner through much of the 2012 death race, which I detail in my book. Today, we'll get to hear her legend and side of the story. Morgan, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be on here. Yeah, I'm so stoked to have you. I mean, it's been quite a bit since we've um, done any racing together, and it's really good to catch up and, you know, let's get your story. So let's dive right in. How about you just give us a little quick um, rundown. Where are you from? What's your occupation? And and what's your athletic background? Uh, So my name is Morgan, and I'm from Ottawa, Canada. Um. I'm a personal trainer, but I'm going to be starting a job on Monday as a customer representative, which will be crazy for me. Congratulations. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, it's going to be a totally different work experience for me. Uh, And my racing background, um, before the death race, I wouldn't say I really had like a racing or athletic background. I was kind of Um, Like I did a 5k Spartan sprint and it was the hardest thing I had ever done in my life. Like 5k for me was no joke. Like I remember climbing up this ski hill and thinking like, oh my God, I'm going to die. I need water. I need a break. Like when is this over? And then when I finished, I just felt so accomplished. And so like, I just felt amazing that I went home and I Googled anything that had to do with Spartan race and then that's when I stumbled upon uh, youmaydie.com, which was <laughs> the Spartan death race. And I thought, hmm, I wonder if I trained for this, if I could do it. And then, yeah, then since the death race, I've just gone crazy into the world of endurance racing. And I've just been uh, so fortunate I've been able to travel all around the world and compete in some of the hardest endurance races. And uh yeah, it all. I would say it all started with the with the death race. <laughs> yeah, it's you've got a pretty incredible journey that's uh, evolved from that. So, before the before that Spartan sprint, you really weren't doing much into athletics. You didn't really have any other sports in high school or college or anything. Um, I, I played sports recreationally, but nothing competitive. Like, uh, I played basketball for like one year in grade nine. I played hockey for a year and I was like by far the worst on the team I I tried out um like on the cross-country team like I did things here and there but I never really did anything seriously yeah and so how, how did you end up um getting yourself involved in doing like a Spartan race in the first place um so my cousin was like, hey, you should do this 5K Spartan race with me. And I was like, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, come on, it'll be fun. Like, I'm going to get a couple of friends together and it's just for fun and we'll go and we'll do it. And I was like, all right. And then, <laughs> like, I remember being so sore that I couldn't work for two days. Oh, after boy. 
Spartan sprint. Like I was not in shape. <laughs> That's amazing. And then you've come so far. So um, let's kind of go down this journey. So give me an idea. How old were you when you did that first death race? And then how old are you now? Um, I think I was around, well, this we did it in 2012. So I would have been 24. Okay. I'm 32 now. Yeah. Did I do my math right? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> yeah, because I think I was like 26. So that, that makes sense. Um, 34 now. So we already talked about how you discovered the death race. You competed in the 2012. Why did you want to do this? Um, I wanted to do it just because it looked absolutely crazy. And it's it was advertised as like a 10% finishing rate. And I just thought like, how cool is that? Like, I would love to go and test myself and be with other crazy people. And it just looked like, I don't know why, it just looked like fun to me. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of amazing. So you went from not really wanting to do the Spartan sprint, and then suddenly you're like, well, this really crazy thing looks awesome. <laughs> pretty quickly <laughs> yeah pretty quickly i think that's a, <laughs> almost like a ron burgundy well that escalated quickly so what was your training like for this first death race like uh what did you do um so i kind of completely changed my lifestyle um i signed up for the death race i think i had about eight months to train for it so at the time i was working doing landscaping i had uh, my own company and then I quit that and I started working at a gym and in my mind I was like okay if I'm surrounded by super athletic people that know how to train it's gonna make me <laughs> train really well for the death race and I just got so into fitness um, so what I would do is I would train twice a day so I would do uh, like weights and stuff in the morning and then in the evening, I was also working for uh, this company called The Running Room. And I was a 10K running instructor, which was funny because I wasn't even really a good runner at the time. Like, I remember <laughs> the owner pulling me aside and was like, hey, uh, you're like a big heel striker. <laughs> like, we got, we got to get you up on that midfoot and get you teaching the class to do that, too. And so I learned uh, how to run with that group and then I was leading uh, the 10k group and I just like fell in love with it and just started training like hardcore for eight months <laughs> so you were just learning and teaching at the same time and kind of just figuring it all out as you were kind of helping others figure it out too that's kind of cool and so yeah, totally <laughs> so going into this death race um what kind of training beyond just you know running and 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 doing some stuff at the gym, what were you doing to prepare given that, you know, you had no idea what to expect? So I was researching like crazy. I was looking um, up all the YouTube videos that had to do with the death race, um, just trying to get my mind to comprehend what it was that they were doing. Um, and I could tell it was a lot of like um, trekking in the woods and survival skills. So then what I was doing is I was looking up videos on how to start a fire, how to chop wood, how to take care of your feet. You know, like I was looking up everything. And then what I would do is then on the weekends, I had a cottage at the time and I would go and practice those skills. So I would try and like make a fire at the cottage. 
um, just try and like get myself used to sort of being out in the woods. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and it uh, definitely paid off because we did have to make a fire out there at one point. <laughs> um, I think we made two fires. <laughs> I think, I think we did. And so we can definitely get to that. But before I want to ask going into this race, did you have any fears? Oh, I had so many fears going into this race. Like, I I felt like I was way over my head. I felt like I didn't quite belong because, you know, the people that were going were either superstars who have made a name for themselves in the sport, or it was like kind of like your stereotypical military guys who have had tons of experience, or, you know, you had like first responders, like firefighters and things like that there. And then there's like me, I'm like your city girl who likes to do some country stuff, but I'm not like, you know, <laughs> so <laughs> I felt really intimidated. Um, but I think like just my excitement of a new challenge outweighed my fears. So I was like, all right, I'm just going to throw myself into it and I'm going to go until they pull me out until I finish or they pull me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so going into this race, let's um, paint me a story of what the race was like from your perspective. Uh, it was like crazy confusion, mayhem. Like right from the start, I had no idea really what was going on. It was like super vague instructions like okay you're gonna head to the farm you're gonna do this you're gonna weigh yourself you need to keep track of this you need to like hike up here and everybody just seemed like really confused on what they needed to do so for me I was just kind of trying to decipher what it was that I needed to do and then keep up with the people who are sort of at the front of the pack like it was yeah it was just like crazy and I remember like one of the first things we had to do was sew our bib number into our shirt yeah <laughs> I remember that yeah and I'm just like looking around and I'm like oh man and then Joe's yelling at us like so faster and for me like I never sew so I'm trying to do like a good job <laughs> that's hilarious i i actually that's interesting too because so you were actually like under pressure by joe i remember just going like over to the general store and like sewing my bib there <laughs> oh really that's yeah. so smart no i was like right there in the middle and i remember like amelia was like five people over and i kept being like oh my god is that amelia boone like <laughs> 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 that's awesome yeah <laughs> and so going into this race there was a lot of crazy challenges uh that were thrown our way what was one of the more interesting challenges from your point of view um so i'd say the first like real big challenge for me was that we were they threw a bunch of ping pongs into a pond and you grabbed one of those and it had a number on it. And then that was like the group that you were assigned to. So I was assigned into this group and we had to carry like a bunch of uh, slosh pipes and a kayak up this like crazy treacherous mountain. 
And we had to carry this for like miles and miles and miles. Like, I think it was something like crazy, like 10 to 18 miles. Like, I don't even know, but I was out there for hours. And for me, like, this was just such a new experience because I had never done anything like this. I mean, I had trained a bit with friends, but like never carrying things. And I just remember like getting halfway up the mountain, like my feet were already trashed. Like I had blisters everywhere. Uh, you know, we're carrying our pack. So already it's like cutting into my shoulders. And then it was like working with the team. So it's kind of like, okay, like I really got to pee. I need to eat, but like, I can't stop because I want to keep with the team. So I was stopping when like somebody with like natural leadership would be like, okay, we're taking a break. And then I would take my break and I would do everything as quick as I could and then move on with the group. So like that was a challenge for me because it was something so new. Um, but I loved it. Like I loved that team aspect and like we were all looking out for each other and it was like, oh, you're out of water here. Have some of mine. Oh, you're out of food. Like here, let's share. And like I remember giving someone like all of my Advil because he was just like dying. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. Yeah. And so. You ended up carrying the, you had the slosh pipe in the kayak mostly. Yeah, you were in the tire group, right? <sighs> yeah, that's that damn tire. I tell you to this day, I hate that thing. But so, so you ended up probably making it. So what came after the tire? You went to all the way to Chittenden Reservoir, right? Yeah. And what'd you guys do down there? Um, well, I remember, I don't know if this was at the, in the middle or at the end. Like I remember, were you there when we had to do like a thousand burpees? Yeah, I think we had to do that somewhere in the middle of that massive yeah, hike. That, it was just like, they were just like, all right, we're going to do burpees. And we just, you know, just <laughs> hour, two hours later, still doing burpees. <laughs> yeah, that was awful. Yeah. Yeah, um, I remember that. But at Chittenden, uh, you know, we never made it to Chittenden. So I kind of don't know, like, what happened there. Was it a swim? Oh, yeah, it was a swim. So we had to, like, swim out to a buoy and then come back. And then we had to, like, do some other tests like they had this uh underground tunnel that went under a road and it was like pitch black in there and you had to like crawl through this and yeah it was like just a bunch of different like random things that we had to do yeah yeah some of the madness and so then what would you say was the most difficult task that you encountered during this death race um so for me it was when i had to chop wood so they were like super mean and they're like, you can't chop wood. And I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so then they like picked out the gnarliest, like naughty stump. And they're like, you need to chop this up into wood. And then they showed me like a piece of like what the wood size needed to be. And I was there for hours and I was chopping wood until literally my axe broke apart. Like I had the top of the axe and the handle and they just laughed at me and they're like, <laughs> oh, no. and they're like, figure it out. And so <laughs> there I am with this stupid top of the axe, like, and I'm using another piece of wood to like, chop wood it was such a disaster and like then people started to feel sorry for me and then they would like lend me their axe and then until like they had to move on so right so, <laughs> so they probably, you had to borrow a few people's axes just to get through that task 
Oh my gosh. It was so mentally challenging because all I wanted to do was just quit and move on to the next thing like everybody else. But I had to stay there until I was able to break apart this stupid thing. <laughs> yeah. And that's about the time when we ended up meeting up was after like our wood was chopped and we were heading down back to the farm. And that's when we were just like, fuck this. <laughs> pretty sure we got betrayed because i remember coming up to that wood station because i was by myself because i got like super sick at one point i was like throwing up and i got separated from everybody and so i knew the way from the farm up to where we were chopping wood and i remember like this and being like we need to go back to the farm this way and i remember there was somebody i don't remember who it was but they're like insisted they're like no i've been here for a few years it's this way you're following the flags and you and i were just like okay and we just followed these flags for hours and hours to get back to the farm yeah. and literally i know that it was like just down the mountain and like around the corner <laughs> yeah and we ended up going way i mean we were so far up the road <laughs> Like, we ended up at that maple syrup uh, shop, <laughs> which is where we ended up starting the fire. Um, so during during the race, what were you eating to sustain yourself? What was uh, some of your, your go-tos? Okay, so I messed up on this so bad because, again, this was my first endurance race. And yeah. for me, I thought, like... Protein, that's such a good idea. So I literally had like 30 protein bars in my pack and they were awful and disgusting and I couldn't chew them anymore and my body was like not having it. So then I was like, I had some gels. Uh, I really like sucked so hard at bringing like actual food. People were like, giving me food like I remember someone gave me like beef jerky and another person gave me a cliff bar <laughs> yeah and so you had like a lot of that quick easy access stuff which you know especially when you're new to this sport always seems like a good idea but once you get into these longer events you realize it's a terrible idea to only rely on that and so I guess looking back if you were to go do it again what would you evade now with all of this awesome experience you've had in endurance what would you how would you change your food strategy now oh i would definitely have electrolytes with me that's for sure like i just had water and that was it and i remember like getting you know hours into this race and i'm drinking water and i'm getting this horrible headache and someone's like do you have gatorade do you have noons do you have electrolyte pills and i'm like what's that like i didn't <laughs> i didn't know and then this is kind of what screwed me over was someone was like well you need salt and they had a salt shaker and they gave it to me and dumped like a bunch of salt into my hand and they're like just eat it at this point i'm like okay well i'm gonna listen to this person because i clearly have no idea what i'm doing so i ate literally a full handful of salt <laughs> <laughs> nice. And I'm sure. So how, how did that go? <laughs> it went horrible. I felt so sick after. Like, 
yeah, you need some salt, but not like I'm not even kidding you, like a full handful oh, of salt. I just oh, <laughs> oh gosh, that sounds so bad. <laughs> so definitely, if I was to do it again, I would have um, something like Tailwind or Scratch, like some sort of electrolyte carb powder. <laughs> Uh, something like simple too, just like peanut butter jelly sandwiches. So you have something that's actually like substance, not just gels and protein bars. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Some real food. And so, um, was there of, of the things that you did have, um, whether it was something that you brought or that others gave you, was there anything that was like your favorite thing that you had during the death race to eat? No, I had nothing good. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite thing to eat now during an endurance event? Peanut butter jelly sandwiches, for Peanut sure. Butter, yeah. Yeah, or, or like bananas or okay. baby food. I love those like little oh. squeezed pouches of like applesauce. I just bought a bunch of those baby foods from the store yesterday because they were on sale. They are like my favorite go-to. <laughs> Oh, they're the best. Yeah, I just like squeeze them while I'm on a good like long run. It's awesome. It's such easy, quick, pure food. Like, I mean, it's it's good food. Um, that's awesome. The Legend of the Death Race podcast is brought to you by Trail Toes, the best anti-blister, anti-chafing cream there is. Trail Toes prevented me from having any blisters after 66 hours at the 2014 Death Race and continues to prevent blisters on all my mountain adventures. Get your jar of Trail Toes today. Use the code THELEGEND on trailtoes.com for 10% off your purchase. And don't forget to visit the Legend of the Death Race shop where you can grab a Memento Mori t-shirt or poster as a reminder to live your best life. Just visit legendofthedeathrace.com shop. So how did you stay awake during this event? Um, well, I guess I would say fear kept me awake (laughs) yeah that's fair (laughs) i i had like just this crazy adrenaline going the whole time because i was so afraid of joe like and missing the next cutoff um but i also had i think i had some caffeine pills with me that i used like later on in the race um but mostly it was just like the experience was so wild that like you had to stay awake. Like, you weren't allowed to go to sleep. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's <laughs> it's kind of scary out there. I remember, I think I think we were together and we tried to take a nap on the trail. And we were, like, freaking out about... Oh, yeah. Like, I remember, I think you had some... Like, you set a time on your yeah, watch. We were, like, were, like, just five minutes. We'll just sleep for five minutes. And I remember just laying down and I was, like, eyes wide open. Like, I can't sleep. Joe's around the corner. Catch us. We we should just keep going. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh man, that was some fun times. And so, oh, this is a good one because I know the answer to it. So, you hallucinated. Tell us about your hallucination. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, you were there, right? So yes, yeah, so it was you and me going I down can... just before we started our fires. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah. Okay, so we're like, I don't know. Is this like halfway through the race? Uh, it's it's after the wood chopping. It's got to be like over probably 35 hours in, I'd say, maybe. Yeah. Like and this is like intense physical, mental 
we're uh, going through the we're going like into this we're like deep into the second night i mean it's yeah. probably three four a.m in the morning this is by far the longest i've ever been awake the longest i've ever physically done anything the most stress i've ever been under and i remember we were walking through the woods and it's nighttime and i see something like white in the distance and i'm like what is that and i'm like looking 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 i'm like what the fuck there's the michelin man (laughs) like did joe really get a mascot because i had heard rumors that he he had like clowns hiding in the woods and i was like oh my god like there's the michelin man like he's up ahead and you're like i don't see it i'm like no he's up ahead like look 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 oh my god that was like probably the funniest part of the race for me because i was just like what are you seeing like i don't see this and then and then i think we got a little bit closer and it actually ended up being someone right like it actually ended up being a person that you were seeing it was a person i'm pretty sure it was a guy named william and he was wearing like a baggy white t-shirt and from far away like no joke i seriously thought it was the mascot and i was like i can't believe joe got mascots to hide in the woods (laughs) (laughs) and that's the fun of sleep deprivation yeah totally okay so how did you handle the controlled chaos of the death race Well, at first, I didn't handle it well at all because I like to know what I'm doing. I like to know the timeline. And it was, as you said, it was chaos. It was, you're not going to make it to this checkpoint. You may as well quit now. Like, it was playing games with me. And I remember that's why it was so great I had paired up with you because you were able to see what the game was about. And I remember you telling me, like, Morgan as long as we keep moving and we're doing our best, we're in this race. And I remember thinking, shit, I'm so thankful you're here because I would have just been like, oh, that's it. Like Joe says, I'm not going to make that cutoff. Like I'm not going to make that cutoff. And you were like, nope, we're going like, let's go. And I remember us like shuffle running to make those cutoffs. Yes. You know, and I think I think Todd said like for that because he was the one who gave me that like piece of wisdom. He's like, dude, only you can pull yourself from this race. And he's like, as long as you keep going, as long as you keep asking them what's next, they're not going to cut you. And I mean, I just I held on to that and I kept repeating it to myself and to you. And it got us through, which was which was incredible. Um, what would you say? And this could be in uh, in hindsight too, but what is the most essential two to three pieces of gear for the death race? I would say definitely a good uh, ruck bag. Um, I had a travel bag. It was pretty good. Um, but yeah, you definitely want something that you can keep on your back for a long period of time. Um, another thing would be a good axe because you're definitely going to be chopping wood and I went cheap and mine broke and it was a nightmare. Um, And then the other thing would be um, one thing actually that I brought that I was really, really happy I brought was I brought two uh, three liter uh, water bladders 
Oh, that's right. You had so much water. <laughs> I had so much water and I loved it because what I would do is I had this system. Like anytime I saw water, I would fill up a water bladder and I would put two uh, water purification tablets in it. Um, cause I, I'm not sure like if you can drink that water or not, like they kept telling me you can't drink it, but then other people were like totally drinking it and they were fine. But I, just in case I purified my water and then I'd always have one clean, uh, bladder full of water. So I was right. always able to drink one while another one was like processing. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's actually a really, it's really smart. And it's a gamble, right? It's a gamble if you try to drink that water because you don't know if an animal upstream, you know, went into the bathroom in that water stream and now you're drinking that and now you got Giardia and now you're sick everywhere. Like my second year at the death race. Because <laughs> I did not purify my second year. I was like, oh, everyone drinks out of these streams. I'll just take a gamble. That was really a bad move. So I think that's a pretty good strategy, making sure you're always having your water purified one way or another uh, if you're grabbing it from those streams. <laughs> um, so we both finished this race together and it was one of the best experiences I know of my life. I know it was pretty awesome for you too. Um, so what was your defining moment during this race? What would you consider your defining moment? Oh man, I would definitely say it was when you and I were at the side of the road. Like we had, we had both like mentally quit. Like we didn't want to do this race anymore. We were at our limits. Like I was crying we were freezing. We were so cold that I literally lit sticks on fire and we were using them to keep our hands warm and we couldn't quit. There was nobody going to come pick us up. We can't call anybody. You know, no one's even looking for us. Nobody even cares. And it was up to us to find our way back. So it was incredible because it was like, we had hit our limit, or at least I did anyway. Like I was at my physical and mental limit. All I wanted was this to be over. And it was like, nope, it's not over. You need to go beyond yourself, beyond what you ever thought you were capable of. And you need to figure it out and keep going. And it was incredible because we did that. You know, we figured out a way to get back. And then we were presented with that choice, like, do we quit? And we thought about it, but then it was like, no, like we've literally just gone through absolute hell where we were done and we figured out a way back. Why would we quit now? Like we are, we're going to keep going. And for me, like, I just remember that moment so well. It's, it's so special just to like, we found the way to keep going. Yeah. I, that was, that was such a, monumental moment because we're sitting there on the side of the road i mean we were trying to hitchhike <laughs> remember that we were trying to, like we had our phones up and we we're like trying to wave our phones this is like 3 4 a.m in the middle of rural vermont i mean we looked like lunatics on the side of the road i'm quite certain anyone who drove by was probably like i'm not picking those people up like look at them they got a foil blanket around them like who knows what kind of crazy is going on here? You know, they got this little fire on the side of the road. Like, I don't know what kind of like crazy hoodlums these are. And <laughs> so, you know, we, we were there in that moment. And then it was like, well, 
there's no way for we have to get back like we have to figure this out because this is our lives like if we don't figure this out we're going to be stuck here until morning and then you know who knows are we going to get in trouble for being on this person's property (laughs) like you know like what (laughs) who knows and then so yeah we finally like picked ourselves up by the bootstraps as they say and we ended up walking down the road until we finally found our way back to to amy farm where the race was taking place and at that point like you said we were given that opportunity and i think i'm really thankful that you know we were given that chance to think about it you know like andy was like are you sure you know are you sure you want to quit and we were like well no actually now we're not (laughs) because all the way up until that point it was like yep we're done we're done let's get some beer and then suddenly it was like, wait a minute, we can still be in this. Like you're giving that, op- you're giving us the opportunity to stay in. And and then I think you convinced me, like let's keep doing this. And that was pretty, uh, it was pretty incredible. So yeah, thank you for thank you for keeping me in it. <laughs> thank you. We we kept each other in it for sure. Yeah, it was it was pretty awesome. So, um after doing this event and everything and kind of going through all the craziness, do you think it's possible to finish this race by, you know, doing everything exactly as they say, or do you think it's necessary to be abstract and kind of, you know, I I don't want to say rules because I feel like rules is a really arbitrary term, right? Like there's no rules in death race. So, but like, do you think you have to be kind of outside that box? Yeah, 100%. You have to be outside of that box because rules are constantly changing. Um, Your instructions are constantly changing. um, And you just, you have to just go with whatever is being told to you at that point. And I think no matter what's going on, you just have to continue. And for me, like the biggest thing was knowing that I think what people don't understand is that it's not an A to B race. Everybody is sort of doing something different and they're harder on other people than they are on others. And it's not a fair race. And it's like, basically, it's just the will to keep going when everything around you is super messed up. You have no idea what's going on, what you're supposed to do. But I think as long as you just keep going and you do the best that you can, that's kind of what the death race was for me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that's that's absolutely it. You have to just, you just have to do whatever it is that you're supposed to do at that moment, and just keep going until yeah. the next until the next thing comes your way. And you just have to be flexible. You have to be willing to 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 change direction on a dime. Um, so where did your courage come from to do this event? Oh, man, I think it was more just, like, stupidity. Like, I just... (laughs) (laughs) Like, I mean, I I thought I had a good idea of what it was going to be all about. But I think I really... I had no clue it was going to be as hard or as challenging as it actually ended up being. And I think, you know, like, ignorance is bliss. Like, I just didn't know fully what I was getting into. And I was just so excited. And that's why... I jumped in to do it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, <laughs> what, um, it's kind of funny because, you know, you're talking about being ignorant and stupid, um, in a sense, not stupid that you're stupid, but, you know, um, making, uh, kind of crazy decisions. 
But from these crazy decisions, you ended up learning a lot and gaining some wisdom. So what wisdom did you gain from this event? Oh, I think what I learned about myself was I'm so much stronger than I ever thought I was and that it doesn't matter, you know, if you feel like everybody around you is better because I think I just felt really insecure about that. So I think I just learned that I, I adapt really well and that if you try hard enough, you will find a way to accomplish whatever it is you need to accomplish like your survival skills they kick in and it's crazy you know yeah yeah absolutely and um if you were to like look back and say like this is who i was before the death race and this is who i am now what would that be who are you before the death race and who are you now oh that's such a good question i think before the death race i was like just really unsure of myself i was like i would say more insecure um more just like following what other people were doing and i think after this race i had a new confidence in myself a new strength that i didn't know i had and it's been just so great um you know moving forward and just attacking other races you know and just feeling stronger as a person mentally and physically yeah yeah and so here's a new one i want to try if you were to be able to have like a billboard message for anyone wanting to do an event like this and you could shout this message out to like you know thousands of people what would that billboard say what would that message be it would be something like smile and just keep going i love it I love it. It's that simple. You know, we've talked about it. It is. And we've talked about it a lot on the podcast. Uh, And I'm actually reading this book right now, Endure, by Alex Hutchinson. And it talks about um, they actually did studies with endurance athletes and putting a pencil in their mouth, making them basically make the, you know, smile muscles work. Right. And then they had another group put a straw in their mouth, mouth, which made them have like the, the frowning muscles working. The people who were with the pencil in their mouth smiling, essentially, went two to three minutes longer than the people that had the straw in their mouth that were frowning. So it's like that that is actually scientifically proven that smiling can make you go longer and farther. Um, So I think that's one of the greatest messages that anyone can hear is just you have to get that smile, even if you have to force it. Um, So I I think you just recently did the virtual uh, death race. So this kind of plays into that question. Would you do the race again? Oh man. So like I, so for like the actual death race in Vermont, like I've wanted to do it again, but I've been literally afraid and I've actually paid for it. I think twice to go back and pulled out last minute. Just, I just afraid to go back. And you know, then it was so cool when the virtual death race came out because I was like, all right, like, you know what? It's not like the crazy experience, three-day experience, but it's kind of like a little bit of a snippet of that experience. And then I was like so excited to do it. <laughs> how, how did it go? It was good. Like it was 
they actually did a really good job of putting it on. Like I had no idea how they were going to, you know, be able to give that experience virtually, but they actually, they did a, a pretty good job. Like, um, the first part of it, like you had to do a sprint, a super, a beast and an ultra. So it was like 86 kilometers worth of work and exercise stations. Um, and then that's sort of when the real race started. So it was kind of cool because I think just naturally um, it selected people out. You know, if you aren't serious, you're not going to put in that amount of work. Yeah. And then so it's bringing, you know, your more serious people into when they actually start like the hurricane heat, a gogi and death race. And then then they've like narrowed the numbers down. Like there was hundreds and hundreds of people that started this race virtually. Mm-hmm. Um and they narrowed it down to like when I was still in it around 30 people. Oh wow. And yeah. then they're become very like personalized, like because now you can see everybody's little screen and they can click on you and they can watch you and they can pick on you and they can scream at you and they can yell your name. And it made it like, oh my God, like the fear came back into me. Like <laughs> if I don't pick up the pace, like that's it, I'm out. And and they kind of changed the dynamics because like in the death race, they can say, if you don't do this, you're out. But if you keep going, you can kind of keep going. But in here, it's like, if they think you're dogging it and they want you out, they literally just boot you out of the Zoom meeting. Oh, wow. That's it, you're done. <laughs> So, crazy. like, there was legitimate fear, like, you know, they're me, I need to pick up the tempo on my squat. So I'm, like, hustling like crazy because I know, like, and I can see them. They're like, Matt, you're out. Pedro, you're out. And I look at their screen and it's black. Like, they were literally just booting people out. Oh, wow. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you said you've been scared of it going back to the real one. And... Why do you think, like, do you think, do you think you'll go back? Do you think you can get over that fear? I don't know. It, it's, it's something like it was like physical and mental. And I think for me, like what I had a really hard time with was like, I had done everything that I was asked to do. I like literally killed myself doing this race. Like I lost 10 pounds. I had trench foot, you know, I made it to the end of the race and I was so, so proud. And then for me, like what I found really hard was they gave me uh, a second place kettlebell. They were like, here you go. Congratulations. Like you made it to the end, you're second place female. And I was like, I couldn't believe how proud I felt like I was on cloud nine. Yeah. And then it was so weird because then I got an email like a couple days later and they're like, oh, actually... You know, you were a few minutes late to um, one of the checkpoints. So actually, you're not a finisher. You're an unofficial finisher. And I think for me, that was just really confusing and hard to deal with because it was like I had felt so proud in that moment. And then I was like, oh, wait, like I I, now I'm not an official finisher. Like, so I think for me, it took a long time for me to process that and then realize like, you know what? No, Morgan, I, you are, I like, I am so extremely proud of what I did. I did everything that I was asked to do. I didn't quit. I made it to the finish line. I made the most amazing friendships and bonds with people that like, 
it didn't matter anymore. Yeah, yeah. The, in their sleep-deprived state, I think they made some mistakes there at that that race, and um, definitely, in my opinion, could have probably been handled a lot better. But you and I, we both finished that race hands down, given every challenge that we were told to do. Um, you know, I think uh, if you do sign up again, you would go and crush it, as evidenced by all the other events that you've gone and crushed. So. <laughs> If that Thank gives you, you any, if that helps give you some confidence, like I, I mean, you've been crushing it. You got, the, you got the Guinness World Record for running a 10k with 100 pounds. I mean, come on, you're, you're killing it. You're killing it. Thank um, you. <laughs> so, uh, towards you know the end of the conversations, I always like to ask the guests if there are any books that they would recommend um, for the listeners, if they're, you know, trying to prepare for a death race or an endurance event to get them ready in the right headspace, you know, mentally or whatever. So are there any books that you would recommend? Um, so I've read this one book that's helped me a lot. It's called 10 minute mental toughness. Okay. And what it is, is it's a book and you spend 10 minutes on it, on it a day. Uh, so, um, if you don't have a ton of time, but it always is sort of setting your mind up. Like, it's like, sort of like what's your vision what are your goals what can you do each day little tasks to help set yourself up to accomplish those goals what are your barriers how can you get around them like it it's really good on working on that mental game especially for you know endurance races it's not who's the strongest or the fastest it's who can stay mentally in the game and keep going that's going to make the difference you know especially with the top level athletes it's who's going to keep going so it's building that mental toughness which is so so important yeah yeah absolutely and so what are some of the what are some of your your tips and and tricks for that mental toughness um for me i know like the thing that works is I have to really want it. I have to want that goal. It has to be something that speaks to my heart that I'm like, oh my God, I'm so excited to do this. Uh, otherwise, like I've signed up for a couple of races because I felt like I should do this race and it never plays out well because as soon as you face like your first challenge, I would just crumble because like I didn't love it or want it. So for me, it's like, okay, I pick something that is like super exciting. And then I write that goal down. I draw it. I visualize it. I think about, you know, what it's going to feel like, what it's going to look like, how I'm going to feel when I accomplish that. And then when I'm doing the actual race, I just keep telling myself like pain is temporary, victory is forever. And I'll just keep saying positive things to myself um, that will just get me to keep going. Yeah. And so that's probably how you were able to get like this world's toughest mutter win and, <laughs> and some of these other wins, right? You, you, you really wanted it. Um, and I think that's important. If, if, it, if it's not your goal and it's someone else's goal or some goal that you think you have to, to accomplish because, you know, some abstract, whatever, it, why it's really hard to, to make that. You have to have that strong why, um, so I think that's really important, and I think a lot of listeners know that by now, that having a strong why is what's going to lead to success. If you don't have a strong enough why, you're probably not going to make it. Um, 
so what's next for you? I mean, I know right now we're in this whole holding pattern with life and everything, but uh, when when we come out of it, like, what's next? Do you have any big goals that you're you're hoping to achieve? Yeah, so I've been trying to figure that out because it was really weird for me because for so long my goal was world's toughest matter. Like every year I would go back and I would get knocked out. I get hypothermia. I would like have horrible stomach issues. And then when I finally accomplished it, I was like, okay, what do I do now? Like, what? what's my goal? Like I've been trying to do this for seven years. Like, oh, what's next? So... For me, I've been looking into um, like different Guinness World Records that I could break. Uh, so there's a couple like 12-hour and 24-hour ones that I'm looking into. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds and, fun. I'm curious. T- yeah. Can you tell me more. Tell me more. <laughs> well, I don't want to give them away, so nobody. That's fair. Them. I'll That's tell fair. you about it after. That sounds good. And um, I'd also like, I just love this Spartan 24 hour race. So I'm really like fingers crossed that that's still on this year. Mm-hmm. And I know that they are looking at holding like the world championship race at, um, in Dubai. Yeah, that sounds pretty cool. And like that just looks so epic. You know, like, yeah, I want to do that. So yeah, that sounds pretty of- cool. So you'd yeah. be able to do you'd be able to do the ultra world champion in Vermont, and then you can go do the world championship in Dubai, which sounds pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, that would be amazing. And then I think after that, like, I, I'm gonna have to kind of see. Like, I'm playing with the idea of maybe like getting into CrossFit or like trying something different. But I think I'll always like love endurance events, and I'll always sort of like look for a new different experience yeah yeah absolutely um well morgan it's been awesome catching up with you and getting your side of the story from our death race experience together uh if anyone wanted to you know follow you find you on social media reach out to you talk to you how how do they do that so the best way would be to follow me on instagram um, it's at world's underscore toughest underscore Morgan. At world's toughest Morgan. All right. We will add that to the show notes so people can find you and reach out to you and follow your awesome adventures. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much for being on the show and stay tuned for more legends from past death racers. If you like what you're hearing, please leave us a review. This really helps the podcast move up the rankings so we can reach even more humans. Also, please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. And if you find you really enjoy what we're doing, consider becoming a sustaining member by clicking the link in the show notes. Just a quick reminder, my legend, the Legend of the Death Race book is now available. Visit legendofthedeathrace.com book to order your copy today. Thank you again for tuning in. If you'd like to stay up to date on my current adventures and training, you can follow me on Instagram or Facebook. Just search the handle at That Endurance Guy or visit thatenduranceguy.com. We'll see you next time on the Legend of the Death Race podcast. Now go create your own legend.